Hey everybody, this is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And I'm Diana, a.k.a. Mod, and welcome to another episode of Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The show where we make each other watch movies that we should have already seen. And welcome to our very first edition of our sports series. Sports! Sports Jams, Volume 1. Yeah, so this week we watched Slapshot. A failing ice hockey team finds success with outrageously violent hockey goonery. Yep, 1977. Uh, it didn't have, I couldn't find the budget box office, but this movie is constantly talked about in the best sports film. If you're a hockey fan, you have to see this movie. It's amazing. It's so fun. This is one of the most offensive, awful movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm angry at every person who ever said this movie was good. This is so bad. We almost turned it off. Uh, we oof. almost didn't do this. So I don't know where to start with this movie. Uh, let's start like we normally do. Okay. So it's uh, r- the writer, Nancy Dowd. Uh, she did Coming Home. Uh, she was a writer for Ordinary People. And she wrote under a pseudonym, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. She, she had a good 70s career. A whole bunch of the commentary about this movie is like wow this has to be such a a progressive movie because a woman wrote it Mm -hmm. how it is so there's there's both the 1977 standard and today's standard it is still by the 1977 standard so beyond offensive because i can understand these guys being hockey players Mm -hmm. it's There's a thing here where you can totally make these guys into villainous characters who are homophobic Mm -hmm. and misogynist, and that's fine. Yeah, because they would have been. And right, yeah. And if and people throwing out the f word being disparaging homosexuals. Yes, that f word. It would have felt horrible, but I'm like, all right, yeah, that's what people did in 1977. Okay, I'm just gonna pass over that for this viewing and i tried to swallow my pride on that for about the first 15 minutes but they just kept leaning into it and the whole purpose was to be mean and incite anger to then incite violence exactly which is not funny i mean it's not funny regardless we just want to put that out it's not funny no good don't do it and there's a level at which I think both Nancy Dowd and George Roy Hill, because of the vantage point of this movie, are trying to make a comment on that, Mm -hmm. but it's so poorly done with a cudgel that it doesn't work at all. Well, you've got that, and then you have this whole thing about a woman having a lesbian experience that she enjoyed, and then using, which is just... The whole that whole scene is meant for like shock and titillation, but and also then, as and, the inciting incident for the rest of the plot. Yeah, and then that's used to again incite anger and then violence against somebody else. Right. It's horrible. <laughs> I I can't defend it. I no. can't defend it on any of those grounds. And even people who are just like, well, it's just so real. And, you know, if you could set all the casual, I was like, there's nothing casual about the homophobia and misogyny no. in the movie. No. If it's... it were casual, it would be a totally different experience. Well, yeah. And then, like, at least for 
the woman, I can't remember her name, when she's talking about her lesbian experience and Paul Newman's character, Reggie, is just like, so how was it? And she's just like, it was terrific. Like, that was funny because you're expecting her to be like, at least of the time, maybe she's, not, I don't want to say ashamed, but maybe a little embarrassed and like, oh, I don't want to share all this. But she's just like, it was awesome. Well, and Paul Newman's character doesn't judge her. No. He just uses it as a pretext to get this guy to fight him. What's really disorienting, because honestly, Paul Newman is pretty believable in this movie. Yeah. He's, he's a, horrible. He's a horrible person. It but, is a case know. study in trying to make a movie around the most unlikable lead character ever. And they somehow pulled that off into a movie because he is. He is one of the most unlikable, lying, awful lead roles that we ever see. True. There's nothing redeemable about Reggie at all. No. Because he's willing to take anybody's life experience and just turn it, it, shit on it, and turn it to any possible gain for himself. Granted, that's why he winds up alone at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, It's just, it's so bad. What's really depressing, too, is there's this alternate universe where I can see this movie kind of being amazing. When they lean into the hockey fights, like, ultimately, they decide to start throwing all these fights because it's getting the crowd riled up. And that's what people are coming to the games to see. And it's distracting the opponents and they're scoring goals. Yeah. So, like... It's it's a little bit like that first bit of the Mighty Ducks where they just start falling. <laughs> like it's like, oh, we're gonna distract them into a win. But it kind of works, which is fine, and that's fine. And then we get the whole bit with the, the Hanson brothers, the Hanson brothers, which is hilarious. They're so good. The best part of that is during the national anthem mm-hmm. when the ref is just yelling at him. I'm listening to the song. This is a fucking song. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's great. When they lean into the hockey, it's really good. The relationship stuff is where it's just god-awful. Yeah, and the business stuff could have just been, you know, the the mill in the town, which employs everybody, is shutting down. So, I mean, the, the team's just going to dissolve. Like, yeah, that's that's the other problem with this movie. It's about five stories trying to happen all at the same time. Like, they're trying to be, like, really intelligent about it, and none of it's working. I was listening to Guess What You're Gonna Hate, and they talked about Animal House being this perfect example of a movie that is horribly problematic, Mm -hmm. awfully misogynist Mm -hmm. and terrible, and yet still holds up pretty well as a movie. Yeah. This could have easily been that, where we could have said, God, this is horribly offensive, Mm -hmm. but damned if it isn't a good hockey movie. Yeah. But it's not a good hockey movie. There's there's almost, there's very little hockey in it. There's just people on the ice fighting. And that is obnoxious. Yeah. And we are hockey fans. We like hockey. Our first date was watching a hockey game. I think there is a level of nostalgia and timeliness of this movie i think in 1977 this movie probably made a lot of sense on the hockey perspective maybe i mean that was when there was a lot of hockey crazy going on the late 70s in hockey was a period of almost just pure goonery like that was the height of hockey goons Mm -hmm. And after that, the goon turn morphed into the enforcer. Yeah. And and it really was a situation where they they changed the rules in a lot of ways because it got so fucking out of hand. I mean, I, I'll post this in the links. There's a wonderful 
not wonderful, but amazing video of the Bruins playing the Rangers in Madison Square Garden and the Boston Bruins going into the stands and fighting and slashing the fans. Like, it's nuts what happened. It's after that that they changed the rules. to. I mean, guys would get suspended huge amounts of games Mm -hmm. for doing that. And so they changed that role to be the enforcer, where it is you will throw down and fight, and you are going to hit people hard. But you're going to do it in a way that follows rules. Yeah. Like, this guy's going to get penalty minutes, but he's smart about when he does it. And he's there to protect the players who are scoring goals. That's the enforcer's job. It's 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 like more like a turf war thing. It's a turf war, but really, the enforcer's job is to piss off the other team. Yeah. But also, if your main guy, who is your best goal scorer, gets hurt mm-hmm. or gets attacked in some way, his job is to go fight the other guys and say, don't you dare come after him because yeah. I'm going to get you. Yeah. You, like, you got the tough guy protecting the little dude. That's the yeah. whole point. Nobody's allowed to go down on the ice anymore. And not to mention, Gretzky didn't come into the league until right after all of this happened. Yeah. That changed everything. When they figured out little guys could play hockey, too. They're fast. Uh-huh. Little guys are fast. The game became all about speed. And yeah. that's why, I mean, that's why I fell in love with it. It wasn't the fighting. though. The fighting is awesome. But the game itself is amazing because of the speed. Yeah. And and the technical ability. And that's what's really cool about it. So I, there is that timeliness element of it. It's just all of the, the cultural stuff around it is offensive, even under the standards of 1977. And it's pissing on working people, too, by saying that they're all like this. Yeah. That all hockey players and all kind of people in a town would just, you know, glorify this violence. It's like, fuck you, George Ray Hill. How do uh, you know that's how they would react? Yeah. George Roy Hill is our director. Uh, you will recognize his name from being the director of The Sting and Butch Cassidy and the Sunday's Kid, both that include Paul Newman. I'm severely disappointed because he's a really good director. It's so bad. And you know what's the most disappointing? Okay, Paul Newman is pretty good in this this movie. Yes. This is Paul Newman's favorite movie he's ever done. He said this is the this is the one that he had the most fun working on, which I believe that. I could believe that he had the most fun. Because Absolutely. he's playing an asshole and he's playing, he's he's getting to skate around and pretend to fight. I could see that as being fun, but it's the favorite, it's his most favorite movie that he made. I don't think, I, I think if you put all of the footage together for mm-hmm. this movie, it would make sense. I think it's a terrible edit and a terrible script. I, I don't think the acting is necessarily bad. I mean, some of the guys are clearly not actors. No, they're just there to play hockey. But, you which know. Which is fine. But um, the Hanson brothers, for all being actual fucking hockey players mm-hmm. and not actors, do a really good job. They're adorable. And all of their um their off-ice stuff is them. The whole scene with them and their suitcase and the toys, that was them. <laughs> they created that. The, the French guys are really funny, too. I, mean, I like the French guy. Well, Denny think... the goalie is super hilarious and That's goofy. I really think... is is great. And he actually was off. He was going to be a hockey player and he decided to be an actor instead. So this is kind of the best of both worlds for him. It's really weird to see the sheriff from Twin Peaks this young doing this. And he gets the best scene in the movie. Yes. He really does. With the, well, I won't spoil it for you if you really want to watch it. But don't, right at the Don't end. watch it watch it yeah, <laughs> right at the Lonsky's end he, he just starts he decides he's gonna quit so he starts stripping off all of his hockey and the band ice. plays the stripper while everybody's fighting he's done he doesn't want to fight anymore and he does this 
I do. I love that scene, too, because the announcers are like, this is just horrible. This is not clean hockey. This is not how you do things. And that's when the commentary worked. Like, that's when it finally clicked all together. But we had to wait an hour and 45 minutes to get to that point. Oh, we at 45 minutes, we had a pause for something. And we're just like, we haven't even played hockey yet. Where's the shenanigans? I know. Like, this is horrible. It's just one of those examples of a 70s movie getting bloated, of of them having a bunch of fun, making a really fun movie, and then not knowing what to do with it in the editing room. So how many penalties are you going to give this movie? Does that mean that if I give it five penalties, it's a zero star movie? Like, if I'm going to flag it for five. penalty time... <laughs> I mean, right, I'm going to be perfectly honest here, all right? I'm not giving it a penalty. I'm kicking it out of the game. Goodbye. Go back to the locker room and think about what you've done. Yeah, this movie's so bad. This movie is worse than RoboCop, which I gave a, a one. No, did I give, Robo- I gave RoboCop a one. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is zero. There's nothing redeeming about this movie for uh, me. I'll give it a one, and here's why. I do think because of Paul Newman... The charm of Paul Newman, the charm of a lot of the actors, not the lines they're saying, but they're just their presence. And then the bits that do work, because there are bits that work. I mean, the guy getting, the organ player getting hit in the head with a hockey puck is really fucking funny. That's funny, but give me the gif of it. I'm done. This is not worth two hours of <laughs> That's my life. That's what I mean. I, I'll be able to take those fun parts away, and then I can go watch those scenes later. Nope. So I'm going to go ahead and give it that you know what? I'm gonna give it a half a star for that then. Zero stars. One one half of a penalty, but honestly, even before that, just kicking you out of the game entirely. Go back, try again. And I really hope somebody one day. I know Goon has already been made, but I kind of want somebody to take this whole script, revamp it, make it actually understandable and relatable, mm-hmm. and redo it. I'm just gonna go watch the Mighty Ducks. But put it in a modern hockey setting. Where there is no fighting, and then these guys start gooning it up. That would be amazing that to see somebody fun. remake this and not make it so awful in that setting. I would love to see that. Because I think this movie is good if somebody does it correctly. Congratulations, Robocop. You're no longer the worst movie I've seen. <laughs> okay, right. we. there's nothing more to say about this one. I, we We can't end on that, can we? No. I feel bad. So we're going to give you another movie. Okay. All right. So we we had to come up with another movie. So we searched the lists of, you know, favorite best sports films. And we came across one that we actually missed when it originally came out. We wanted to see it, but we didn't get a chance to. So we watched Big fan a hardcore new york giants fan struggles to deal with the consequences when he is beaten up by his favorite player yeah 2009 starring Patton oswalt's i really wanted to see this movie at the time so did i because i was really excited to see Patton oswalt in a more dramatic role and the trailer made it seem a lot more like a stalker movie mm-hmm. which i think is one of the reasons this didn't do as well as it could have it's it's it was definitely an independent film and it has no star power in it no not really and also for a movie about football there is no football in it exactly it's about fandom yep 
Now it's also there's also no football in it because Lord knows they didn't have the budget to no. actually go into Giant Stadium and film anything. Oh no, <laughs> definitely not. I'm sure just getting to use all the logos of the Giants and Eagles was enough. Eagles I think they're pretty clever in how they get away with that. Yes, but, but in still. any case, <laughs> this is a really good movie. I really enjoyed this. Uh, it was written and directed by Robert Siegel. He also wrote The Wrestler and he wrote Tur- Turbo, <laughs> eh. the snail movie. You know, you got to get paid. And he also wrote The Founder. Yes. And he has a movie coming out called Cruise, which he's also directing. So this was his directorial debut. Yeah, I, he's he appears to be a big deal screenwriter. Well, not a big deal, no, but he, he's had he's had some legitimate writing success. Yeah, uh, this film was originally envisioned as a comedy, and when he sat down to write it, he was like, "Nope, this is a drama." I I I think the writing's great. I think it is up to a point. I it seems like such this common trope for us. Mm-hmm. Third acts are so hard; they are so hard for people to pull off. This movie does a really good job of being believable mm-hmm. and understandable right up until the last probably 20 minutes of the movie and the way it ends feels kind of cheap uh his last line is very cheap i did not like that but i think the thing that's most unbelievable for me is the brother filing a lawsuit on his brother's behalf oh well that one yeah that's Be- absolutely fucking ridiculous because that's illegal that plot point is they would have had to have declared him completely incompetent See, and they don't they don't actually get into any of that what they should have done because i understand the brother is just looking at this as his meal ticket the brother should have filed for guardianship that's what the lawsuit should have been there's a whole lot of plot structure that comes about in that last part that it just goes off the rails that's a little messy but i i i do love that this is the thing this guy loves he's happy with his life other people might think it's horrible but he lives for this team he doesn't care. He goes to to tailgate. He can't even go inside the stadium. He can't afford to. But he doesn't care. He just wants to watch the game and be amongst other people who love this team just like he does. Yeah. It, it, this is a movie where the characters are incredibly well portrayed and written. Yes. The, the characters are drawn really well. And siegel didn't know how to end this movie that was his problem he didn't he he got into it and then in escalating the tension around Mm -hmm. it he didn't know how to eventually resolve all of that and so it kind of just messes apart yeah i feel like it's messy more with the family i fully understand why he did what he did to philadelphia phil i mean like i and i i have to give extra props to Patton oswalt because his portrayal of him putting on the green and white colors, you can see how physically painful this is for him. Uh, yeah, and it's, I mean, it is a big thing when you are a true fan. Mm-hmm. I i left sports behind a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff with the NFL, honestly, the domestic abuse stuff was what finally killed mm-hmm. it for me. The flag anthem stuff has only cemented it. Yeah. But I I left that behind. We cut cable. So I, you know, I don't have. You don't have baseball. Baseball or hockey or anything. And so I've just kind of left it and drifted Mm -hmm. away from it. But I remember 
I remember the World Series and the Rangers and Game Six. I remember feeling almost physically ill. Oh, when when they came back, when St. Louis came back, it it's it finally struck me how much I cared mm-hmm. when it got to that level for me where I I I was seriously having a panic attack. I was crying. I felt physically ill mm-hmm. because this was something. You know, if you're a Rangers fan, this was 40 years. I mean, my entire life, they had never been at this point. And then to lose it was just gut-wrenching. I couldn't watch Game 7. Yeah. And so there's a level at which I think anybody who's ever been or still is a sports fan has felt one of those moments. Everybody has one of those moments where it, it hurts. I also remember how excited I was the night the Stars won the Stanley Cup. Yep. I remember jumping up and down yep. at two in the morning, screaming. Oh, I remember when uh, the Mavs finally won. That was a huge deal, too. That was great. Oh, I just remember the first game when we found out that the Rangers were going to the World Series. That was on our anniversary. We were at dinner and we are both checking the score. And we're like, yeah. holy fuck, they are going to the World Series. Yep. This has not happened in our lifetime. Against the fucking Yankees, Which who, is- if you're a Rangers fan... I mean, what's sad is then, you know, I was also a Cowboys fan for the long t- longest time and now stepping away from it, I was like, oh, shit, the Cowboys are the Yankees of football. We really loved Pat, the character's Paul, his shirt that says Dallas sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I again, I think where the problem lies for me is the, the plot itself, the story and where it ultimately winds up. It escalates so far Mm -hmm. that these really believable characters wind up feeling unbelievable after a certain point i don't think so i i feel like he had a crisis of faith in his team he had a moment where it's just like i i could do something really awesome for myself but it's hurting the thing i love the most and the thing he loves the most is his team and then he was hurt by somebody else philadelphia phil and he decided that's when he snapped. He was going to exact his revenge. And it wasn't that Philadelphia Phil was like, well, giants suck. It was a personal attack on him. And that's what made him snap. And that's what made him go and shoot him up with the New York Giants colors. Yeah, I just. Which was, to me, is believable. That's fair. The The, the other thing you have to remember about that and, and something that struck me in the moment was that they didn't win. You know, he he sacrifices all this stuff to mm-hmm. get Quantrill Bishop, his favorite player, yeah. this defensive end, who is the guy who winds up beating him up, sacrifices everything to get him back in the game. And they still lose the division. Well, and I and they don't make it to the play. His response was he was rusty. So his whole thing is it's all my fault. It's still my fault. If I had ended the sooner, he wouldn't have been rusty. If I'd have never been in that bar. Yeah. He blames himself. Yeah. Which is in insane and not at all factual. But I understand that internalized love and just like, what am I going to do? I mean, we all know that one person who's superstitious about their sports team. I got to wear my dirty socks because that's how you make the Chicago Bears win. Well, and (laughs) all that stuff. You talk about a crisis of faith. I think anybody can relate to that in whatever institution they feel like. Well, whatever their thing is. Yeah, whatever you've put your your faith and and stuff into Mm -hmm. when that crisis moment comes how do you react to that yeah and this is one portrayal of a guy who would sacrifice anything to keep that up for his team and then we see both sides of that 
it's great it's a great movie it really is and it is a great sports movie i know there's no no actual football in it but here's the thing there if are you so- hate sports you don't care about sports you can still relate to this movie because they don't focus on the sports it's to focus on the love of the thing it does a wonderful job explaining how devoted you can be and how a person can get sucked into that. Mm-hmm. I got into sports because it was a much easier thing to talk about with people. Like Absolutely. it really is a conversation piece and starter uh-huh. and can get into chewier conversations. But, you know, there are different reasons anybody can get into sports. But I think the true fandom just comes from its community. It's having yeah. a place to belong. I mean, we have that with our podcasting community. Exactly. Um, we have that. There's that beyond exists in the My Little Pony community. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. And I think so many people just equate sports to masculinity too often. Mm -hmm. And when you can separate those two things in your mind, Mm -hmm. when you can get away from this whole macho, toxic masculinity aspect, which is rampant in sports, but which is rampant in other places too. True. Uh, it, it, is, move- it is widely celebrated in sports. Uh, yes. I mean, it's it's a toxic environment yes. for a lot of people. True. But if you can get past that to the majority of people who just like, I love my team. Yeah. And I love getting to go tailgate and be around people who love this thing too mm-hmm. and everybody's sharing. Yeah. It is this better vision of what we could be as a community. I'm not a sports person. I, I do love hockey and I... but. I can enjoy going to the games. I have so much fun at our Super Bowl parties. Oh, yeah. And and I get sucked into the game because everybody else around me, the energy is just focused on this thing. And that is fun. Exactly. I, I'm not going to sit at home and watch it because I don't care. If you are not a sports fan, mm-hmm. if you can get a good ticket for cheap to go to a game anywhere, mm-hmm. baseball's pretty easy. They're usually pretty cheap. Yeah, they're pretty cheap. Just go. Like, go and enjoy it because i promise you if you go to the game you will have so much more fun watching it on tv can be really boring the nfl is the one exception true because they've figured out how to put it on television true and distract you with everything you need to be distracted by before the next snap correct but everything else just go Mm -hmm. and if it gets boring go walk around because it's really cool to get to see what they've built all these different things I hate how some of it's corporatized, but the fans are super awesome to be around. I always like seeing the kids getting really excited. Like yeah. the, it's, it's, the big, it's the family thing. I also like, you know, usually when you're at a, a the home team stadium, there's usually a lot of history ar- built around the stadium. And so that's usually fun to look at and see. And their gift shop's pretty cool. So. And, you know, there are some places like Wrigley where you go during an afternoon and, man, you can party down. Because it is a full-on drunkapalooza. Oh, well. But in the best way. Well, in towns in, like, Detroit, for the Red Wings, the stadium is full for practice. Yeah. Because that's the thing. If you like sports even a little bit, go have fun with your community. Like, it's great. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with fandom provided. And and this is is maybe one thing that I loved about this movie. I expected this to get into stalker- fan rage yeah and and deep into that remembering the trailer and that's not what this movie was no. it's about a man getting pushed to the edge of having to defend himself mm-hmm. and his fandom is is intertwined with identity where he's trying to navigate how that's going to work and it's much more subtle than i expected it to be which mm-hmm. was so 
refreshing because too often fandom is portrayed as either obsession they're either obsessed or they're just jackasses or they're they're severely mentally ill something like that and we didn't have any of that no no no, he did get brain damage but that was after the fact so he's depressed for sure he's a little isolated but that is by choice all right so uh fandom soapbox over (laughs) talk about Patton oswald okay this is after ratatouille and balls of fury okay and then after this film he went on to do young adult and most recently he's on ap bio and then he was also recently in sorry to bother you yeah he's he's a voice in that movie and then he's also a voice on one of our favorite television shows we bear bears of course he plays nom nom the koala yeah so that's what pat nozzle was doing before and after i love him in this this is a perfect role for somebody like him. Mm-hmm. He does a wonderful job of just committing to the role. That's yes. the most important thing he does with this movie. You fully believe that this is his passion. Exactly. He plays that so well. I love the moments where he's talking through what he's going to say on the radio and uh-huh. he's writing it out. Because like you can see him working out and it's that same muscle that we know he uses as a comedian. I'm sure. Um, and so it's the same idea. It's just a different intensity and a different purpose. Um, and so I love, I loved those bits and that was extremely believable. And he just, he really should play a clown because his face with the paint on it is just so expressive. Exactly. All right. So we, we're very pro Patton Oswalt. I hope he gets to do more dramatic adjacent things. But this is, this is amazing for um, his first leading role. Can I also say, there was minor, minor Oscar buzz around this movie. There was. I remember there. And then... I, I understand him not getting anything Well, let me that. throw let me throw you the leading roles he was up against here. Okay. Colin Firth in A Single Man. Oh, Jeff yeah. Bridges in Crazy Heart. Ugh. Morgan Freeman in Invictus. Nope. Jeremy Renner in The Hurt Locker. Yeah. And George Clooney in Up in the Air. Was was he nominated for this is This is 2010 82nd Academy Awards. For the 2009 films. Oh. Patton could have easily gotten in there amongst these performances. Uh, I remember all these. I know it wasn't a big enough movie to go mm-hmm. up against those performances. And that's ultimately why it didn't get in. Mm-hmm. But just judging based on what we know of those performances. Yeah. He easily could have been nominated amongst those five. Sure, he wouldn't have won. Colin Firth wins, hands down. Uh, no, Jeff Bridges won that year. What? Yes. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking uh, Colin Firth won the next year for King's Speech. Yeah, no. Jeff Bridges won for Crazy Heart, which... <laughs> uh, look, we may be saying the same thing about Bradley Cooper and A Star is Born pretty soon, so... And also, I really think this could have been nominated for an original screenplay nod. Uh, at least in a Golden Globe. I think it was a it was a tight enough movie. I mean, they were up against Serious Man and Glorious Bastards, Hurt Locker, Me- The Messenger, and Up. So sorry, no. <laughs> but Golden Globe maybe that was a tough year it, it, for comedy screenplay though, which it is ultimately it's a dramedy, but it is comedic. Uh, we've got at least two other actors we should talk about: Kevin Corrigan, who plays Sal, Paul's best friend, also does an amazing job in this movie. He's great. He is great in everything he's in. He is in everything. Uh, he had a long run on the tv show grounded for life i love that show that show is almost all told in flashback which is hilarious uh he was in departed and he also had a nice run on community i mean his imdb page is too long what i what i really enjoy about him is he always seems on the cusp of of telling this guy 
dude, you gotta fix your life. Like yeah. he always he he is such a super fan too. Mm-hmm. Like he loves the Giants and he's trying to just be supportive. Mm-hmm. And he gets so close to looking at his friend and being honest with him, but he can't do it. Yeah. Because he also loves the team. Well it's that and it's just like this is the thing we share. And I don't want to ruin that. I, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin my friendship with Paul. Yeah. I, but I also want him to be okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't want him to get hurt by this. And it, he does such an amazing job of just wrapping that all in his face. So you yeah. can see that in the camera. Yeah. Because you can tell he's desperate to just make his friend feel better. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and he thinks. I just want my friend to be okay. And he thinks that maybe the only way to do that is to keep encouraging him about the team he thinks that's that's what we share that's the only thing i know how to how to get across yeah. to you so i'll just keep telling you it's gonna be okay you know we're gonna we're gonna we can beat these guys and we can yeah. do this and it'll be fine and it's it's so perfect how he plays that out i think yeah. he might be the best performance in the movie Patton's great close, it's it's very close he gives a near perfect performance yeah he's wonderful he's wonderful in everything yeah he plays creepy really well too he's not creepy in this movie but that's also a sweet spot for him as an actor <laughs> no he just he does a really great job then we have michael rapaport who plays philadelphia phil he's perfectly cast he is perfectly cast. he's got a great voice because we don't we only hear him on the phone and the second you hear his voice that's michael rapaport what's really funny is him being a philly fan yeah because he is Mr. Fucking New York. Yep. Like, all up and down. He is the biggest Knicks fan in the world. He's a huge sports fan. Kind of a problematic guy. But what I give him credit for is, I think that's mostly just a brash New York attitude that mm-hmm. he has. And I think all too often he gets called out and then goes, you know what? You're right. You're right. I'm, I was an asshole. And then just move and then tries to be better. Yeah. He's so good in so much of what he's in. He really is. He's been on a ton of television. He had a nice little stint on Friends way back when he did Phoebe. And then right now he's on Netflix's show Atypical. He plays the dad of a son with autism. He's great on that because he's very much like a dad who's trying to become more aware of things which is like the sweet spot for Rappaport. absolutely it's it's he's great he's also just a huge sports celebrity figure like he is he is one of the go-to actors in in hollywood that that people will go talk to about sports because he's so up on it yeah like i you know i used to listen to a lot of sports radio he's one of those guys who Mm -hmm. would always get reached out to because he's got really big strong opinions especially about his teams yep and so he's a perfect person. It's it is kind of incredible that he agreed to be a Philly fan. I'm sure that was just fun for him. I'm sure it was. And he he just plays obnoxious so perfectly and then turns on a dime when the stakes get raised. Yeah. As soon as that gun gets pointed at him all over his face, he could see like, oh, God. Oh, God, dude. I didn't I didn't mean any of this shit like like it's OK. Like it's it's like, you're, yeah, no, he did great. It was good. Is there anybody else you feel like we need to talk about? I do love Marsha Jean Kurtz as, as Patton's mom. mom. She's, She's in really everything, good. too. Like I uh, everybody else is kind of just character actors mm-hmm. and, and doing stuff. Nobody's super stands out. But she does this wonderful job of you. You want to think at first that she's going to be that stereotypical nagging mother Mm -hmm. but what she does so well is portray the exhaustion behind that that she is nagging him but the only reason she's nagging him is that she is so exhausted of him Mm -hmm. 
that she cannot bring herself to actually try to talk to him about these things anymore because she doesn't think it's going to do any good. She feels like he's stuck, therefore she is stuck. Exactly. And she has her own nonsense. Like, she's saving 8,000 of the little food packets from the Chinese place. I mean, and, like, she's got her own stuff. But, but how much of that is having it. your 35-year-old son yeah. stuck in your house with you and you've tried everything you can think of to figure out how to get him out. Yeah. You can read that weariness yeah. in her performance that just plays perfectly against Paul being so and, adamant about and, his life. And their conversation in the car is pretty funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know who you're dating. Your hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's so great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I do have one who could have been better. Okay. For Paul. Adam Sandler was approached for the role. Nope. No. I agree. As time has gone on, I can recognize that Adam Sandler probably just should stick to comedy. He has turned into the ultimate money-making factory as a person, which is fine, Mm -hmm. but it is what it is. The the cost has been that it's not funny. (laughs) Uh, No. No, it's not. And, I mean, I, I think part of it was... The reason he was so funny in the past was because it was all about immature humor. Yeah. And now he's matured. And so it's that thing of if he plays immature humor, it's not funny because he's 40, nearly 50 years old. Mm-hmm. If he plays mature humor, he's not good enough to make it read. <laughs> like funny people doesn't work ultimately because the guy you're pinning it on just can't quite get there. Even Rain Over Me, which I remember we loved that movie. That movie was amazing. But it's if you really look back at it, his performance is a very rote stereotype, mentally ill person. Okay, looking back on it, but at the time... Well, what makes that movie good is Don fucking Cheadle and the way the movie was directed. It's that thing of looking at him taking those dramatic steps and trying them out Mm -hmm. number one there's a reason why he didn't get more of those roles yeah and number two is he's good but he's not great in a way that makes you want to watch him he's just not Patton's so much better at this Patton is just more nuanced when he's sitting there Patton's able to be subtle when he wants to be subtle and Patton's a full-on writer I mean I know Sandler can write jokes but i also know he uses a team to write for him mm. Patton writes all his own shit so well, Patton adam's... understands the structure of the script of knowing where to be Patton is an actual actor on top of well, being and a comedian Sandler also relies on characters Patton doesn't no and that's never been his comedy so i agree adam sandler would not have been better in this film he could have been interesting as sal no that would have no i think that would have been an interesting role for him I like Kevin Corrigan, but I that could have been an interesting juxtaposition. I just I think it's it's fine as is. Throwing Adam Sandler in there would have thrown the whole thing out of whack. That's fair. All right, I only have one note from trivia, which I found funny, is that during the football watching scenes, Patton Oswalt and Kevin Corrigan could not improv any cheers. They don't, <laughs> they don't they don't know anything about football, so those all had to be written for them. <laughs> Because they couldn't do it. They're just like, I don't know. They don't know the terminology. <laughs> so that, that was one place where they couldn't, like, help. Ah, oh, sports ball. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I, would, I would be almost as bad. I, when we're watching sports, I do ask a lot of questions about rules. 
because I don't know any of them. Also, they change fucking constantly. Yeah. I'm still trying to get someone to explain baseball pants to me. 1909. Like, I, I don't know. know how better to explain it to you. I just, it's a thing. I, it's, it's a fashion. That's all I, it boils down to. Okay, well, I want to know why some choose to wear the long pants and some choose the short pants. That's Again, what I need to know. We we don't have an answer for you, It needs you, to Diana. be in their player bio. I understand the Yankees. They wear the traditional uniform, which is why their names are not on the back of their uniforms. That's fine. But still, I need to know. All right, so... I don't know. How many stars? Oh, come on. You can do better I, than I that. I can't think of something. Well, you do it then. All right, how many QB bling necklaces are you going to give this movie? I'm going to go three and a half. Hey, that's what I was going to go to. Amazing. I thought about four there for a second, but I realized with all that kind of plot weirdness mm-hmm. at the end, it left me with a weird taste. And I think bit. I think you've argued me into, into relating to it a little better, mm-hmm. but I think, like we said, the plot has some problems of believability that at the end it's just kind of disconcerting. Mm-hmm. That it throws off these really good characters that we've created. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a totally watchable movie and worth the hour and a half to sit down. Like, it's really enjoyable. Oh, it was. And right now it's uh, streaming on Amazon Prime. Yep. All right. So what are we watching next time? Well, I guarantee you that we're going to watch a better movie than Slapshot. Lord, howdy. It wouldn't be hard to hit that bar now. And I think we're even going to watch a better movie than big fan okay we're going to watch the all-time boxing classic and rounding out the trifecta of scorsese movies that i still don't understand how you hadn't seen martin scorsese we're watching raging bull Woo-hoo! also robert de niro films i haven't seen i would still say this is the greatest sports film of all time okay and i would also pause to think that this might be martin scorsese's best movie of all time because i gave really high marks to goodfellas and taxi driver and taxi driver i taxi driver was my favorite that you made me watch last year this is an amazing movie hmm. and dark and haunting and violent is it all in black and white yes okay i'm Just- not against it just get ready and from from just some little tiny trivia research i've seen there's an epic story behind it too Ooh, i like epic stories so we're gonna enjoy the boxing drama of all time set the bar pretty high there think so all right let's see if we can ruin it Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.